0: In this episode of the Boost Health Podcast, you will hear.
1: So I, I like the idea early on with clients of talking to them about what they want their highlights reel to be in two years time, three years time, four years time. And getting them thinking about, you know, the bigger picture about how you know, actually getting in shape, taking control of their health, take, getting fitter will allow them to participate in more activities.
0: It's crossing into the other wellness dimensions beyond mm. physical, right? So that could be like what what is your highlight reel for career and what is your highlight reel for your emotional and social yeah. wellness because yeah, you're you're asking them to think about how you're going to apply this new wellness that they found.
1: Even if all you're getting is a placebo effect, <laughs> that's like the strongest documented effect in in medical science. So I'm, I'm all for placeboing myself.
0: It's really probably been one of the best things that's happened to me because I've done some different things within, within different disciplines. Find your balance.
1: Find your balance. Find your balance. Find your balance.
0: Find your balance. Searching for more wellness balance is our goal here at Boost Health. I am Paul Sandberg, the founder of Boost Health, and your host. I'm a certified strength and conditioning specialist with the NSCA. I have a bachelor's degree in human biology, a master's degree in business, and I've been working in the wellness and fitness industry for over 19 years. On the Boost Health podcast, we cover the entire spectrum of wellness concepts and give you some actionable tips that you can implement in your personal health strategy. Now, my philosophy with this podcast and with Boost Health in general is to be open-minded and try new things. Preconceived notions shouldn't get in the way of wellness strategies that could be a real difference maker for us. Have you ever tried a new wellness tactic and it surprised you in how well it worked? those are what we try to uncover here thank you all for spreading the word about the show if you think someone might enjoy it please take a moment to rate and review the show in your podcast app q and a if you want to ask a question for the show just click on the green ask paul button on the podcast page on myboosthealth.com so here is the listener question for this episode paul you always talk about benefits of exercising early in the morning. But what if I am not a morning person? I have heard this statement from many a client in my years as a fitness professional. The answer is that you are a morning person and so is everyone else. It is all about resetting your internal clock, which is actually quite easy and quick to do. Now, The first step is probably the most difficult. You must, must actually get up early for a few days in a row. But after you get up early for a few days in a row, most people find it's much easier to go to bed earlier and thus you have reset your clock. So for example, I get up at 4.30 or five on most mornings, which might sound a little bit early to some of you that say you're not morning people, but you'll find that if you do that for a few mornings in a row, you actually have no trouble at all falling asleep at 8.30 like I do with our kids. Let's say you start with a 5 a.m. wake up and a 9 p.m. bedtime just to be reasonable. Now this gives you eight hours of sleep, which research considers optimal, and gives you tons of time in the morning to practice gratitude, check your heart rate variability, exercise, get some work done, etc. And just like that, you've become a productive morning person who's getting plenty of sleep. Again, if you have a question for me, please click the green Ask Paul button on the podcast page on myboosthealth.com. Announcements. The Boost Health Performance Apparel Shop is open. Uh, We opened the store on October 3rd, and in this ordering period, we are including some really cool new winter pieces. We have hoodies, long sleeve cycling jerseys, running tights, thermal cycling bibs, and even a new special black kit called The Secret Boost. Just click on the shop link on MyBoostHealth.com to check it all out. All listeners of this show can actually use the code BALANCE at checkout to save 5% off your order. That's B-A-L-A-N-C-E like find your balance to save 5%. Newsletter. If you haven't already signed up for the weekly boost newsletter, you can do so very simply by entering your name and email into the form on the homepage of MyBoostHealth.com. This way you don't miss any Boost Health News. All right, now on with the program. This is the final part of a three-part series with Pete Fisher, the founder of Nutrition Kitchen. In this episode, Pete and I discuss one-arm pull-ups, helping people create their highlights reel, specializing a bit less if you're not a pro athlete, and not being a guest who is hard to feed. Okay, here is part three with Pete Fisher. Three, I want to talk about salt for a second. Uh, I know whenever I switched to plant-based, I um, I found myself needing to add a little bit of salt to my food, um, probably just because I was eating less processed garbage. Mm. Um, and this was just performance-based. I just needed a little bit more salt because I was uh, feeling depleted and I was cramping up a little bit. And almost as soon as I added just a little bit of salt to some of my dishes, I felt a lot better. And I know you have pretty strong feelings about You know we're worried as a society about aversion to salt and I think you say it's unwarranted
1: I I think I think salt gets unnecessarily demonized for large portions of the population Um, uh, with nutrition kitchen and the way we plan our meals we do like we actually kind of fall in line with the the prevailing wisdom we do keep an eye on the amount of sodium in our meals Um, we do season the meals um, because I don't see a reason not to um but there's still this misconception that you know for blood pressure everyone should be on a on a low sodium diet and actually it's it's not scientifically very validated at all um and even in, in in the general population people who don't have any kind of hypertension whatsoever um i think it's about like 80% of people are not um sensitive to salt it won't increase their blood pressure.
0: That's a pretty big number.
1: Um, people with pre-hypertension, I think the number is 70%. So that's people with signs of high blood pressure. It's something like 70%. And then with people with hypertension, I think it was only 50% of people with, pre- with actual hypertension are salt sensitive. So it, it, it seems clear that salt isn't, in a majority of cases, isn't the culprit here. And that blood pressure is high. You know, due to other factors
0: maybe stress <laughs> maybe
1: maybe stress maybe you know maybe people are overweight as well, and that's going to have a very big impact on blood absolutely. pressure absolutely if people you know, have a very poorly functioning cardiovascular system, that's going to negatively impact blood pressure um, so lots of other factors and I, uh, salt gets kind of put under the spotlight, I think because you know, it's very easy to make food taste good with salt. Mm-hmm. um like even doubt in a restaurant they'll add salt they'll add, they'll add butter to make the food taste better so i think because salt is in lots of highly processed foods it gets carried along for the ride but if you're eating predominantly whole foods and you're salting your food it's going to be for most people a very healthy practice if you have you know some kind of kidney uh disease if you have you know hypertension uh, as diagnosed by your doctor and they very clearly instructed you to, to reduce your sodium intake I would listen to your doctor however for most people it, it's not something they have to be overly concerned with in fact it's probably the opposite most people are probably if, if people are very health conscious and they're actually engaging like, some kind of endurance training uh, in, particularly in a climate like Hong Kong the chances are they're actually going to be low on electrolytes, and Absolutely. they'd actually benefit from supplementing with sodium and potassium. Um, and that's actually, yeah, that's actually more dangerous to be to be low on salt and, and exercising a lot the, than it is to be high on salt.
0: That's a yeah, that's a really good point. I liked something you said, you know, we had, we had our coffee chat a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about getting together and, um, something you said resonated with me. I really liked it. Um, you, you said you like to help people envision their own highlights real. Can you talk a little bit about what that means?
1: Yeah, I, I think it's the idea of, you know, i I've, I've worked in a, in gym environments where we've been you know, very heavily marketed on physical transformation. I, I think that's important, but I think the way that's framed is important as well. I don't like to see. I think physical, like body transformation, is should be foundational. It shouldn't be the pinnacle of human achievement. It should be okay. Get in, get in good shape, right? And then that liberates you to do other things. So I think as a, I kind of feel like the job is unfinished. If if you go into the gym, you train a few times a week for a, a long period of time, and at the end of it, you're kind of still in that gym habitat, and you haven't done anything with your with your new body. Right. You haven't explored any of that new potential that you've unleashed. So I I like the idea early on with clients of talking to them about what they want their highlights reel to be in two years time, three years time, four years time and getting them thinking about, you know, the bigger picture about how actually getting in shape, taking control of their health, take getting fitter will allow them to participate in more activities. Um, and I think that's something that's really important to maintain weight loss with people. For a short period of time, you can get people to buy into doing cardio. Um, and cardio in the sense of you know, doing a certain number of miles on a treadmill or minutes on a treadmill. Uh, the classic bodybuilding cardio is walking uphill on a treadmill. Right. And that doesn't really appeal to anyone. Right. And no one enjoys that. There's a reason it's called the treadmill.
0: Yeah. It's, it
1: doesn't make... You know, unless you're singly focused and obsessed on your physique walking uphill on the treadmill is only really good for listening to podcasts <laughs> right that, exactly that's some you know that's the only way people can kind of reconcile it as a useful uh way of spending time and so again i like to talk to people about how they're going to anchor themselves at their new weight like what activities they enjoy are they going to insert into their lifestyle to replace you know whatever cardio they were doing so whether that's cycling whether that's trail running whether that's paddle boarding or climbing but i want people to actually take on more activities um and it creates this kind of virtuous cycle where they see how the work they're doing at the gym benefits that and it kind of establishes really positive feedback
0: you know what i like about i really like the way you've applied it and i'm gonna i'll trademark it pete fisher but i'd like to steal it and i'd like to even because you're touching on this a little bit, it's it's crossing into the other wellness dimensions beyond mm. physical, right? So that could be like, what what is your highlight reel for career, and what is your highlight reel for your emotional and social yeah. wellness? Because, yeah, you're you're asking them to think about how you're going to apply this new wellness that they found, and yeah. maybe I have more energy to play with my kids. Yeah. Maybe um y- you know maybe I can find extra time now to um volunteer i mean it, it's it's so individualistic mm. and introspective at the same time to to make them think about that and how they're going to apply it across
1: everything yeah. it's cool well i think it, it kind of ties in because it ties into the, the social and kind of emotional wellness because i think when you talk about these activities inevitably they end up taking people outdoors as well and i think that's a big part of it i think getting it's people huge. getting people exposed to basic inputs that we've been exposed to throughout our evolution, that we need, you no, know, we need sunlight on a on a daily basis. That's becoming more and more evident. So I think if you can get people engaged in activity that takes them outdoors for you know at least an hour a day of skin exposure in the sun, they're going to be they, there'll be massive positive repercussions across their you know mental state, emotional state, you know, mood, energy, happiness. Like I mean, mitochondrial function. Absolutely. You know, is,
0: There's a reason why I'm crowding up our residents here in Hong Kong with my three bikes, because Mm. I don't have an indoor trainer. I, it is a little bit dangerous to ride when it's raining here, but you know, I'd much rather get outside and, and enjoy, you know, the environment that, that is being given to us. And you know, it's interesting too. Like there's some pretty interesting research on grounding. Like if you have, negative ions built up from being in Wi-Fi or going on a flight or whatever, going out and putting your feet, if you can find grass Mm -hmm. in Hong Kong or even better, the beach, like getting in your feet, like bare feet onto our planet. Like there's, it just makes sense. It's like, even if there's not science behind it, it's just intuitive. Like you just need to do that. Right.
1: Yeah. Even if, even if the science all turns out to be complete (laughs) rubbish, it doesn't really matter because you'll still feel better. Absolutely. Yeah. It's yeah. Again, it's basic inputs. It's like, even if all that does, even if you think you're earthing, but all you're doing is going outside and walking around and kind of decompressing from an indoor office environment, it's still worth it. Absolutely, um, yeah. And again, it's like, yeah, the earthing thing. I, I actually, I had an earthing mat uh, a few years ago. I'm not sure about that. I think that was maybe a step too far. Um, <laughs>
0: what was in it? Do you recall that oh, they? It was. Of dirt. <laughs> no 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 the earth
1: the earthing mat was one that you 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 plug it into your wall socket and it earths in the same so it's it's using the earthing mechanism from your plug oh gotcha to ground you um and the idea was that you know sleeping on that you would somehow get the same benefits from being outdoors but I, again i think in that case you're missing out on the the other things like sunlight and being outdoors um
0: But you know what I like about that though? Uh, That's something else we have in common is you just, you have to be curious and open-minded to try new things. I mean, you know, if it doesn't cost a fortune and, and and, you know, there's, it seems like a good idea. Give it a shot. You never know. I mean, that's,
1: I mean, I mean, even if, even if all you're getting is a placebo effect, that's like the strongest documented effect in, in medical science. So I'm, I'm all for placeboing myself. Absolutely. Yeah. As much as I can. Um, uh, yeah the earthing, uh, uh, thing uh, in interesting that the amount of studies the, the japanese uh, i think um, we may have mentioned it last time japanese spent a lot of money um looking at the effects of forest bathing um they've got yeah. uh, they've got a much cooler japanese word for this but <laughs> right right it basically again it is it, um they they've shown uh, clinically that it reduces stress um and again it's it's something and It's that's, pretty
0: complicated right you're walking around in a forest yeah that's walking around it. the forest
1: <laughs> um so it's it's all there lots of very easy easy things for people to implement that we ignore and we ignore and we overlook in favor of some magic supplement or some you know some s- secret combination of foods that we need to combine together to, to achieve like nutritional nirvana when what we should really be doing is looking at a more holistic, basic approach and and kind of priming the environment that the food goes into a bit more. So how you respond to food is, if if you've slept really well and you've had good sunlight exposure and you've trained, you're going to tolerate whatever food you consume a lot better than someone who's had four hours sleep, has been in an office for 12 hours and... Yeah, you know, and it doesn't exercise that's it. good advice that's really good advice
0: uh, that really helps bring everything together too because yeah you yeah it's your point like you're eating perfect you're exercising perfect mm. you're but you're missing major sleep and you're you know working yourself to the bone it's yeah you're, uh, you're exactly right you're just you're not and you maybe it's inflammation or whatever yeah. that's causing you to to not digest food properly so you're a fit guy. Bro- you broke my hand when you shook it earlier, which is what I always look for. <laughs> um, I hate it. You know, you go to shake somebody's hand. You want a you wanna good, firm yeah. handshake. That's what I've tried to teach my kids. Like, yeah. meet somebody, you, you shake the hand, you, you know, a good, firm grip. You don't want the no. the jelly hand, right? No, you don't want that. <laughs> well, I want to know, you're obviously staying fit. Um, I want to know what kind of fitness program you're on right now and, and why.
1: Um, It's... I, it's one that is probably a lot less than people think. I I do, and it's one that I kind of feel pretty good on at the moment. It's um, probably quite minimalist in terms of um, in terms of my approach. But I'll just do a, a gymnastic-based kind of calisthenics work uh, twice a week, um, typically kind of Monday, Monday, then Friday, or Tuesday, Saturday. So I've got time to recover between those sessions because they both place – you know, a, a decent amount of strain on the elbow, wrist, shoulders. So, and then I'll.
0: So explain calisthenics. I know so, calisthenics, but yeah, tell sure. Everybody.
1: So um, for upper body training, predominantly um, working towards doing like gymnastic-based movements. So um, upper body pulling. I'm working towards a one-arm chin-up. So training is on. Oh, one-arm um, chin-up. I this is one Ooh. of those. This is one of those I've kind of like. It's been back of my kind of training goals for about five years now and i've got so to- we've
0: talked sorry to interrupt you p so we've talked about mobility in mm. the last few weeks with my buddy joel uh and the split or the yeah. uh, pistol is sort of the mobility um pinnacle where yeah. uh, where as far as upper body um uh, achievement and strength one arm pull-up is is right up there that's that's an impressive move well
1: i'm i'm not there um not many people not are there. there i'm <laughs> but it's more to be honest I don't really if I I never actually get a one arm chin up that's not the point I'll build plenty of strength and it'll focus my training towards having a a goal Um, but it's just having a way of working towards it that doesn't chew up my elbows and my joints yeah yeah Uh, in the past I've been really aggressive with it and kind of ignored issues around the elbow which meant kind of backing off massively for 18 months and going away and doing a different type of training so the approach at the moment is very um, conservative, but I I anticipate I probably will get there eventually if I can stay healthy. But How much of it is grip? I mean, it's got to be a pretty high percentage um, of grip strength. Well, I, I grip grip's a limiting factor, but it's not. I mean, you could have amazing grip and be nowhere near a one arm chin. Okay. And like my, my grip's always been relatively decent. Like so doing like farmers walks, mm-hmm. um, which is where you you're walking with a a bar in either hand for a, a carry um i've been able to do like 110 kilos each hand
0: Ooh, yeah for,
1: uh, but i'm weirdly good at that I, my, my spine responds really well to compression but not to any kind of um shearing forces so like all my lifts are kind of stack up the same um so my front squat is pretty similar to my back squat which is pretty similar to my deadlift so if i'm just lifting something straight up and down on with my legs it's fine as soon as i lean forward into a a more exposed position Uh I can't really lift much more um so farmer's walk I can do pretty well grips relatively strong um I mean for me I think it's just going to take me a a long period of time to just to get with calisthenics a lot of it's about the the conditioning around the tendons the joints and making sure that that is uh, as conditioned as as the musculature so um I'll do that twice a week. uh, so working on handstand push-ups, one-arm chin-ups as my, my main kind of exercise I'm working towards. And then I'll do one lower body session a week as well. And right now that's kind of pretty unfocused. I'll typically do um, a lot of FRC stuff. So FRC, they're actually coming to Hong Kong. They're going to be at Coastal Fitness doing their seminar. I'll do a lot of their work, um, which is the lower body tends to be focused around well, for me, a lot of it's hip-related, so internal and external rotation of the hips. Um, then I'll do a a bigger lift, so maybe a squat or a deadlift, and then I'll do, again, kind of more body weight work for lower body. I, I, my goals, are, like, I used to play rugby, and that was a lot of loading of the spine, so mm-hmm. lots of squats, deadlifts, Olympic lifting. Uh, and right now, like, there's no real benefit to me really pushing that hard, so I'm quite happy for that to tick along. And then I'd rather... I'd rather spend the time and energy, you know, being a bit more balanced and doing cardio. And by cardio I mean getting outdoors. Yes, and running.
0: And and by cardio outdoors in Hong Kong you mean doing it in a sauna most of the time? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> so you get the training benefit of, of heat training as well. Yeah.
1: Um, but it's something I've I've probably neglected is there's a big kind of anti-cardio dogma in the strength conditioning mm, community. That's so true where people were kind of terrified that they had any kind of conditioning, they would lose all their muscle mass. Um. Well, and you and
0: I are the same in that way. I mean, we're both lean guys and Mm. both were trying to put on mass too. I mean, I I was, you know, also trying, when I was in university, I was trying to put on muscle. And, um, sort of the bodybuilding type of split routine, which I wish I would have known then what I know now, I probably would have grown a lot more, but, um, oh yeah. I mean, like walk to the gym, too much cardio, bro. I've got to, I've got to, you know, I can't burn those calories, you know, and it's, it's so funny how now, you know, we understand how there's so much more synergy that's happening. It's really only is going to benefit you.
1: Yeah. There was, again, I think it, it kind of. You look at figures in the industry who were kind of promoting a very anti cardio stance and there were you know, someone like Charles Polkin was very anti cardio. But I think it, it's partly being removed from the context he was working in. He was working with like ice hockey players in Canada who yeah like for them the priority probably wasn't cardio they were probably doing a ton of that with their teams exactly
0: what i was going to say they're getting a ton i mean it's huge cardio how many practices yeah how long are those sessions
1: so of course he's not going to do any cardio or recommend it good point yeah but then he's kind of preaching to you know strength conditioning coaches personal trainers and essentially kind of preaching to the choir it's like telling a bunch of like 23 year old guys don't worry about cutting, Just lift weights, and then like you hit a you hit a plateau. Do two a days of weights. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. but then it's that breakdown of information where those coaches are then going, okay, so my my fifty year old housewife who's hugely sedentary, she should just lift weights, and it's like, nah, she should do whatever you know keeps her training for you know longer than six weeks. Yeah. You know? Um. So it's, it's a kind of breakdown in, in communication. And I think what I've seen, the, people don't want to be limited to just one activity. People don't want to be told, oh, you if you do this, you can only lift inside in the gym. That's it. That, that shouldn't be where it ends. Like people want to do more. They want to get outside. They, and I, I think this is kind of, I think CrossFit is partly responsible in, in a very positive way. I think for, showing people that you can be pretty muscular and have good conditioning. Yes. So I think CrossFit, despite obviously there is, there are some limitations and some issues with CrossFit, but I think in terms of breaking that mold of being specialists and only being able to do one thing, um, it should take a lot of credit. Um, <clears throat> so I think people, uh, and then other people are like Alex Viada, who we head over to Hong Kong at the gym. He's a two hundred and thirty pound powerlifter who runs ultra marathons and does triathlons. He and his company, uh, Complete Human Performance, have done a great job of you know, promoting hybrid training for athletes. Is
0: he is he the one that wrote hi- hybrid? Hybrid athletes? athlete, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like totally linebacker or oh, rugby they got, player, they, jacked, they, and then he runs super
1: fast. But it, I mean, it kind of it t- tallies with my own experience as well. Like playing rugby, like yeah these guys have got an amazing conditioning but they're like some of the forwards back row forwards are running around at hundred and five one hundred and ten kilos but their conditioning is awesome mm-hmm. Like clearly the fact they're so conditioned isn't impacting their you know, their strength and their power and and we've always known that it was people were capable of being pushed in multiple directions at once um and again it comes back to that. It's, it's true for kids don't specialize too early yes but then also for adults like unless you're a professional cyclist bodybuilder triathlete do more like do other things and stay like relatively balanced because you're not being paid for it exactly. there's no point kind of pursuing like performance goals that only really matter to you uh, at, at the expense of your health
0: i my first love is strength training i have a uh Guess that yours might be too. Just in sport, yeah. Uh, yeah. just I just love it. And if I had to choose between, which I'm glad I don't have to, but if yeah. I had to choose between strength training and any of the sports or cardio that I do, I would quickly choose strength training. I just love it. Um, but I also really got into doing triathlon. Um, even though I just did the short stuff and wasn't very good at it, I, I really enjoyed it.
1: Yeah.
0: Just enjoyed competing. I think. And this year, I've I've had a bad knee injury. And I haven't been able to race very much. I really haven't run for two months. And um, it's really probably been one of the best things that's happened to me because I've done some different things within um, within different disciplines that I maybe mm. wouldn't have attacked as much. Mobility is one I've danced around forever. I've done yeah. bits of yoga and I've done you know foam rolling and those types of things, but I've never actually done a full-on mobility program. So to your point about over-specializing and getting sort of stuck in a in a rut even if you don't recognize it as a rut it's it's so good to just try to continue to try new things continue to branch out and and test your body yeah because you're to your point we're not we're not getting paid as as uh, amateur athletes so
1: nice
0: i've had you for a long time i just have a couple more questions for you um Oh, before we move on, I af- I actually have to bring up handstand push-ups. Okay, yeah. <laughs> handstand push-ups for me, I've been working on these too. I love them. Um, I'm still stuck on the wall. Um, my goal is to eventually push myself off the wall, feet on the wall, push myself off the wall and, and do a couple. My friend Adam, who's, you probably know a few guys like this too, or might even be one. He uh, is just an athletic dude. Like we'll mm. go to the gym and he's always been able to do more weight than me. He's always been stronger than me. He's always been more athletic than me. Um, and he's the one who got me started on the handstand push-ups. push-ups. And, he, and uh, we were at, uh, we were visiting Phuket. Our families went mm. to Phuket together. And I was like, oh, Adam, I want to get, I want to get a picture of me doing a uh, handstand over here in front of the beach. Yeah. And uh, I was like, you should do it too. We should each get a picture of it. It'll be really cool. And so I did it and we were able to capture a pretty decent picture. And he went up and he just starts in the middle of the ground, like no, nothing to push against. He just starts doing handstand push-ups. Yeah. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? Dude, He's just so athletic. So my question is, what style are you performing? Are you using the wall at all? Or are you trying to move off of it? And, and then are, do you have experience with these people, not just guys, but just people that are just naturally like gifted with, yeah. with these things?
1: Um, so I do them in training. I'll do them uh, facing the wall. Okay. So facing the wall, and that allows me to basically maintain body line and allow the head to track forward. Because when, oh, okay. when you're performing, you want to be at a slight angle. Um, and you want to be basically making like a a triangle with your kind of uh, forehead nose area between forward between the hands.
0: So your toes are on the wall. Yeah, toes on gotcha. the
1: wall. And then just trying to minimize the need to actually have the toes in contact. Um, so, so gently was,
0: sort of getting yourself yeah. off
1: of there and, and so, see if you can maintain. So so that'll build all the strength that will translate to like handstand pushups, like freestanding ones. Um, I can do, I mean, at the moment, I can probably do two two or three freestanding ones. Nice. Um, if the strength is definitely there, if I'm struggling, that's due to lack of actually practicing handstands. Um, in the past I've been able to do about four or five uh, but again it's a skill that half of it is just holding a decent handstand and being stable there and the other half is having the strength through the range the biggest training tip is are you kicking up onto the wall
0: yes yeah, but I'm facing the other direction so I need to practice the way you're suggesting yeah
1: I think definitely just switch around because then you can work on a better body line and then you can track your head coming forward as well so you can, you can track. So you're coming forward, and the the, the shoulder blades are gliding a little bit better. Um, that that's probably the biggest one, I think. Um, but you can also practice that with just feet up on um, feet up on a bench as mm-hmm. well. So you can practice that almost like a pike position. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that that works really well for getting for getting the reps in with good form, because you, all you're doing is scaling it, and you can actually, I mean, you can make that almost as hard as doing them on the wall. Um, but you just kind of minimize. Again, minimize how much you're putting through your feet. Um, but yeah, I, in terms of my athletic f- freaks, I I know <laughs> I'm I'm very very middling as an athlete, and I, I was I achieved a probably I probably maxed my potential based on getting into strength conditioning before everyone else, um, and then I quickly found that more genetically gifted athletes once they started training properly. Flew right past me, in in terms of what we were doing, and so it was like despite you know me being really into it, like really up on the technique, practicing a lot, I would get outlifted eventually by guys who weren't really into it but were just freaks. Yeah. Um, and I think you you kind of just get exposed to these these guys in like a sports environment, particularly like some people just have this like explosivity that you can't really train and it just transfers yeah it makes it they're, they're kind of athletic in so many different ways um even with like the one-arm chin-up stuff like i i, I was at a point where i was you know tendinitis in my elbows from training so hard able to lower myself in like one arm in 30 seconds Wow. Um, doing like chin-ups with 80 kilos around my waist but nowhere near even initiating one-arm chin-up and there are guys who I was working with at the gym who just get like halfway up without any training <laughs> or one arm chin-ups at all, right? And it's just like, you just see, and yeah, I think it's, it's stuff like that you just realize you're not ultimately competing against anyone else. No one else cares. Like, right. no, no, one, no one else cares. So you, you end up just having to go, okay, right. It's not about me being better than someone else. It's about, am I making improvements in that direction? Absolutely, However, slow yeah. they are. Um, but yeah, genetic freaks are yeah just dispiriting for everyone. Else. <laughs> yes, they're fun to watch though. I yeah, guess. fun right. to watch. <laughs>
0: um, so okay, so do you have any back to back to nutrition kitchen? So mm. anything that you want to share with folks on getting started? First of all, where where do they go um, to get started on nutrition kitchen? And is there any promotions or things you want to talk about with with nutrition yeah
1: i mean we we just launched in singapore so um i mean you can just just google nutrition kitchen um we should come up at the top unless some of the other companies have spent a lot on google ads um competing for our name Uh, but we should come up top on those so you can either google that or go to www.nutritionkitchenhk.com or nutritionkitchensg.com um, in Singapore, we've got a early bird offer uh, that's I think running until the end of this month as yet he's might extend it. Um, I'm not sure when this podcast is going to go out. So, um, there's an early bird offer. So there's, I think it's $25 off the first order. Um, and we tip, we do run, uh, regular discount codes as well. So it's always worth, um, Check in either with your office. who might already have a corporate partnership with them. Um, check in with your personal trainer. Um, and if not, just email our team and we'll get back to you.
0: Fantastic. And, and one last question, Pete. Um, I know I've kept you a long time. I'd like to know how, how you find your balance. And part of part of uh, finding your balance, I know, is sort of how you personally sort of define what, what balance is, but I'm curious to hear with all of your knowledge and experience, what, what helps you find your wellness balance?
1: Um, I, I think that's it. It's just I'm trying to stay you know, somewhere in the middle, right? Not, not veering off towards extremes. Um, the, the kind of, the more I kind of go down the rabbit hole and to the point where you start pursuing, slightly antisocial behaviors where you become a guest who's very hard to feed. Um, you become someone who's not fun on a night out because you're not engaged. You're not having one or two beers. Or you end up kind of alienating or isolating yourself. That's not a very healthy place to live long term. Um, you know, all, all this research on you know, the, the beneficial the beneficial impacts of moderate alcohol consumption or moderate caffeine consumption, coffee consumption, all that really says is it's better to be quite sociable. Like people who are moderately sociable and know how to relax um, form better social groups and social bonds with their communities. So I think understanding, understand what the kind of the important things are, understand what foundational principles are in nutrition, in training. And you put them together in a way that suits your lifestyle, but doesn't really, you know, it it shouldn't be about alienating yourself from the general population. It should be about, you know, engaging with a broader community. That's
0: awesome. You know, um, when I was studying wellness balance in general, they list seven different dimensions. The original wellness balance dimensions included six uh they've that recently in the last few years added in some uh, programs a seventh dimension of of environmental but one of the most important ones is is social and emotional so I think that's really interesting how you know you recognize the benefit of moderation um maybe even having a glass of wine with some friends or a beer or whatever and you know making sure that you're getting out and, and being social or having a coffee or whatever. Mm. Um, they've done studies in nursing homes where they've found that people that have the best cognitive function are those that have the best overall wellness balance. And what's one of those environmental dimensions? Social. Yeah. So I I think you're dead on in, in, in not taking, becoming, I think Jewel said it well too. He said, don't not becoming so beholden to your program that you're missing out on, on life.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that, I think that's something that people who are... I like think everyone who's kind of been in the fitness industry has gone through a period of time where they've they have kind of... Everyone's kind of gone through that stage where they have like really particular eating habits or really kind of restrictive um, behaviours around how they should socialise and what they should do. Um, and it's... For me I've just found it is much healthier. I'm I'm much healthier when I have that that kind of balance in my life where I'm able to you know able to enjoy a drink every now and then. Like for me, like in the past I like, I've probably like turned out I've gone to the pub with my dad and I know that he's wanted me to just have a beer with him. And in the past I've probably I've like gone, oh no, I'm, I don't want to drink today, and I and now I'm I I don't care. It's like I, don't, I, I, I understand better the consequences of me drinking, like, which are you know, in the long term like tiny, right? And and, and I and I can kind of have more perspective now. And I think, but maybe it's having kids of my own. I don't want to be, <laughs> I don't want my son to be like, nah, not, <laughs> um, but, kind of understand, you know the benefits of just being more relaxed
0: Mm -hmm. absolutely Um, yeah yeah that's that's good advice i really like that and i think that uh you're you're exactly right i mean just figuring out i think why people what i'm trying to say is i think like you were saying people in the fitness industry go through that phase and i mm -hmm. i can envision myself there as well and i wonder if it's about trying to find what would it be like if i did this like would Mm -hmm. i find whatever it is the striations in the abdomen or whatever yeah. like if i if i just cut this out mm. and i'm a crazy introvert and don't do anything what will i what will i be at that point if you're just yeah. looking at the even just the cosmetic piece of it and then you find it doesn't really make that big of a difference and I actually feel a heck of a lot better if i give myself if yeah. i if i give a little bit on some of these things
1: yeah and i it's a, i remember like trying to be like gluten-free at some point or like trying to paleo and it you end up with this uh, weird relationship with food where like again like you become very hard to feed like you go around if someone's having pasta or you can't have bread in a restaurant Mm -hmm. and actually the the leanest I've ever been I was the only thing I was restricting was was calories I wasn't I wasn't deliberately eliminating and that's I mean restricting calories that's hard enough like especially when you get really lean and you're like hungry all the time and like there's no need to make it harder by needlessly restricting other food groups. It's just kind of heaping misery misery upon misery (laughs) and and, and making the chance of kind of having a full breakdown and binge much, much higher. So um, yes, I found that I was at the point I'd been kind of like track, uh, not dieting, but just tracking my food intake solidly for about maybe nine months and, and not kind of restricting, like probably averaging about, three and a half thousand calories but just being very very aware of things and i i felt really good but i wasn't restricting there was nothing that was off limits to me and right. within within the context of three and a half thousand calories a day you still got a lot of scope to include foods that you really enjoy eating Absolutely. As well. yeah um i think people look past that they think oh three and a half thousand it all has to be these kind of clean healthy whole foods it's like try try eating like three and a half thousand calories of only whole foods it's really hard <laughs> right um, yeah that's true so um yeah i think just not being dogmatic not really um not really feeling i have to kind of champion a particular side in an argument
0: mm-hmm.
1: as well i think that's been that's been useful i think that's just a kind of maturation that comes like, just from getting older you realize there's a lot more that you don't know um you start being a bit more empathetic to the other side and whatever argument. Um, you get more educated. You understand what the you know the foundational principles are that are kind of non-negotiable, and you understand that everything else is preference. Whatever works. Um, so yeah, intermittent fasting works for a lot of people. Like I'm, I'm not looking to argue against someone and try and convince them not to do it. Um, if the rest of their diet's looking great, fantastic. Great for them. I I do I use it. You know, I'll do if three, four, five months at a time where I might do that. If I'm trying to ramp up my food intake, I probably won't use that because it's not it's not conducive to that strategy. But um, if I was an athlete, I probably wouldn't do intermittent fasting. I'd probably find that would limit when I could train. Um, mm. But I think just retaining retaining kind of key core principles whilst being open minded to the idea that I might be wrong on lots of things is quite useful.
0: It's tricky too. uh, And to your point, maybe there's something about just like maturing and, and, and getting older. And maybe there's something to just our ability to access information now. Hmm. Um, Maybe, maybe folks will be a little bit less dogmatic, but I'm very open to new ideas now. And that's obviously, you know, sort of the theme of boost health is trying new things. I didn't used to be like that. You know, I didn't didn't train my clients with an open mind. There was pretty much, you know, one or two ways to do it. And so uh, part of it is information and part of it is just, you know, giving yourself enough time to understand that that's really the best policy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think you work with enough people over time. You, you realize that a lot of the stuff that people, that you end up arguing with other people in the industry about, has zero application to your clients anyway. <laughs> right. And is is so far removed from being something they can apply in their daily lives right. that you're arguing on a purely like theoretical level. And when you simplify it into, you know, a list of things that you want people to do on a daily basis, it becomes this kind of very pared down, relatively basic kind of list of ideas that that most people would all agree on. Um and you kind of you end up realizing you're arguing about ideas that are only interesting on kind of a purely theoretical level. Um, maybe if you're like working with like I don't know Team Sky in the Tour de France, there'd be some kind of application. But for the average person who's working in an office forty hours a week, yeah, you know, they just need to move around a bit more, get some sunlight, uh, try and sleep better, watch their stress, and be aware of that, and have an outlet and make slightly better food choices. That's my And and I think no one's going to disagree on that. Yeah, absolutely. You can't argue
0: those. Thank you all so much for listening to the show. I've had Pete here for a really long time, so we're going to wrap this one up. Also, thank you very much to my friend Pete Fisher for joining the show today. Please subscribe, rate, and review the show in your podcast app. You can follow my workouts and Boost Health updates on Strava, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Just search for My Boost Health. You can also visit the Boost Health website at myboosthealth.com for links to everything, along with more motivation and information. And until next time, this is Paul Sandberg for Pete Fisher saying goodbye and find Find your your balance.
1: balance. That's funny. In my English way, I would have just gone, find your balance.